Have you heard about the miracle of Aerovac? Aerovac, Aerovac, it's the whole girl way to purify every drop of milk you buy. Home delivery for the Pennywise will help you to economize. And at the store, if you prefer a paper carton, fill your grocery sack with Holgren's milk in the polka dot pack. About the miracle of Aerovac, Aerovac, Aerovac. It's the whole Gern way to purify every drop of milk you buy. Welcome to the underworld. I love America. It's been my home all my life. Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. my home all my life. If you don't know the past, you're only doomed to repeat it. Welcome to Public Access America. This is your history. This is your country. This is America. Join us in listening to some of history's America's best speeches. Created by Jarcodes Productions. Go back in time with us right now on Public Access America. of three films which have been made to help us size up our enemy, Japan. To beat the Japanese and to do the job thoroughly, we have got to understand them thoroughly. The Japanese are not easy to know. I've lived among them for 10 years, and I can testify that they are as different from ourselves as any people on this planet. The real difference is in their minds. You cannot measure Japanese sense of logic by any Western yardstick. Their weapons are modern. Their thinking is 2,000 years out of date. To the 70 million people of Japan, Hirohito, their emperor, is a god who direct descent from the great sun goddess, Amaterasu. They believe that he personally owns Japan, its land, its resources, and even themselves. And they believe that it is the right and destiny of Japan's emperors to rule the whole world. To bring about the fulfillment of this destiny and to destroy all nations and peoples which stand in the way of its fulfillment, 
is the sacred duty of Japan's army and navy. The army of Japan is a well-trained, sternly disciplined force of fanatics deal to reckless courage by a primitive moral code which assures to every man who dies in battle an immortal life among the Shinto gods. Behind the fighting forces stand all the wealth and power and resources of a people whose national dream is to see Tokyo established as the capital of the world. From Tokyo, the Japanese have for over 11 years been carrying on one long, uninterrupted war. Again and again, Western economists have predicted that Japan's economy must soon collapse. But Japan is stronger today than ever before in its history. An adaptable people, the Japanese have made good use of the inventions and conveniences of the Western world, which might fit in with the plan for world conquest, which is their national obsession. Non-essential industries in Japan have been all but wiped out, for the empire has recognized but one need, the need for the materials of war. Efforts to hold down prices have failed, and inflation has decreased the purchasing power of the yen. Japan's gold supply is carefully hoarded, no longer forms a basis for her money, but Tokyo's bankers see their turn coming later when Japan begins exploiting the lands it has conquered. Most eagerly sought securities on the Tokyo Stock Exchange are the shares of government-controlled corporations set up to develop the gold and iron and timber of the Philippines, the abundant rubber and tin of Malaya, the oil and quinine of the Dutch East Indies, all the raw materials needed to make Japan self-sufficient in a war which many of its leaders believe may last a century. Never an inventive or creative people, the Japanese have always depended on the scientific and industrial knowledge of the Western world. And now that they are at war with Britain and the United States, they find their chief source from which to borrow fast-changing production techniques in Nazi Germany. In the theaters of Japan, Nazi methods of propaganda are also copied to good effect. The Nazi concept of total war is highly satisfying to the Japanese mind, for throughout its modern history, Japan has been a totalitarian state preparing for total war. Playing their closely supervised part in total war 
are Japan's metropolitan newspapers, which ape the great American dailies. For a stick of type can be set, it must be approved by the army, the navy, the police, and the foreign office. No story or editorial, no picture or cartoon may be printed which opposes the concept of a Japanese-ruled world. Thus, to the Japanese reading public, the progress of their holy war is an unbroken succession of triumphs. Every disaster becomes a victory, and all news is good news. For every channel of public information is being used to impress upon Japan's people that the war is proceeding according to a divinely guided plan and that the people's part is merely to double and redouble their sacrifices on behalf of the emperor and of their sons and fathers away at the front. Greatest single source of Japan's fighting men is its peasant population, long used to hard work and self-denial, toiling from before dawn to long after sunset, the farm family accepts hard work and squalor with the unfeeling stoicism of a disciplined race. Homes are crudely built with a framework of wooden beams and walls of mud and chopped straw. In these huts, Japan's peasants have for generations raised sons to fight for their emperor. There are few luxury crops in Japan today. Practically everything has been replaced by crops which give the greatest nourishment. All grain and rice belong to the state. The whole crop is bought by the government at a price just high enough to keep the peasant alive and working. And in a nation where land is the chief source of food and life, no square foot of farmland, however meager, is left untilled. To protect its supply of hardwood, Japan has for years practiced reforestation on a national scale. And today its lumber, like everything else it produces, is going into the war effort in one way or another. To make sure that on the farm not an hour is spent in idleness, no material is wasted. Every rural community produces useful handicrafts. In the towns and villages, home industry is also the rule. And in these homes lies much of Japan's industrial strength. With each home, a miniature factory the nation's total production is almost beyond estimate. With the same fanatic zeal that inspires the soldiers whom they so devotedly support, 
The Japanese people are today working for the destruction of the land they fear and hate most of all, the United States. A land which more than any other, the Japanese have cause to remember with gratitude and affection. For when in 1923, Japan was racked and broken by an earthquake, it was the United States which was first and most generous in giving aid. Into Tokyo and scores of other shattered and suffering cities poured millions of American dollars, shiploads of American supplies to save lives, to heal the injured, and to help rebuild Japan. Today, Japan's restored cities are filled with mills and factories turning out materials of war. In these factories, there is no shortage of labor. Farms and villages comes an endless supply of girls eager to contribute to the war effort for a year or two before they marry and begin bearing sons for the army and navy. Willing to work 14 hours a day for little more than room and board, they find factory meals of boiled rice, fish and tea better fare than they had at home. Since nearly a decade before Pearl Harbor, Japan's heavy industry has been mobilized on a war footing. Its materials, machine tools, and workmen integrated into a long-range program to build up and maintain the Japanese war machine. To make up for shortages of strategic materials, it accumulated great stockpiles of raw materials by importing them from China, India, the Netherlands East Indies, and from Western nations. Japan's state religion is Shintoism, which teaches that Japan is a heavenly land protected by their gods who have even taken the form of a divine wind which scattered and confounded enemy fleets. Shinto gods exist in rocks, trees, and rivers, and even the souls of men who have died for their emperor are worshipped as minor gods. And in the immemorial fashion of these ancestors, they fortify with pageantry and savage symbolism their belief that innumerable and very fierce deities have destined them to be the conquerors of the world. Early in life, Japanese school children learn to feel the proper reverence for national heroes, for by implanting such devotion, the empire is assured of a youth imbued with fanatical courage and militarist ideals. From infancy, Japanese children find their days strictly scheduled to the discipline of total war. In physical culture groups, they harden their bodies 
learn the obedience to orders which will make them good warriors in later life. By wreaking pitiless destruction upon unarmed cities and their helpless people, and by slaughtering all those who stand in Japan's way, the young Japanese will win honor and grace in the sight of his gods. For they have decreed that it is Japan's destiny to achieve mastery over the whole world, to bring to all peoples the blessings of the samurai code. In learning to read and write the complex Japanese language of more than 4,000 characters, there is stern discipline for the mind. Never are they allowed to forget that the way of Japan is the way of the warrior, and that modern weapons of war are as glorious as the samurai swords with which their ancestors won honor and immortality. To the Japanese child, these are not mere planes and ships, but symbols of the conquering might of his august emperor. As he grows older, the future Japanese soldier devotes a large part of his time to the study of warfare. He learns to submerge his individuality in mass drills and maneuvers which teach him the fundamentals of the life he will soon lead. He is taught how to handle a rifle under a drill master who is both able and severe. He is trained so that handling a gun becomes second nature to him in preparation for the time when he will be a full-fledged soldier ready to die for his emperor. Anticipating worldwide expansion, Japan has for years maintained a school of military government and colonial administration where picked young Japanese learn the approved attitude and method of ruling conquered people in a conquered territory. The emperor's future Gauleiters lead a Spartan existence, become used to the simple rations which must be their lot until the day of final victory. At 17, every Japanese becomes automatically eligible for military service. And on his induction into the army, his years of military training and ingrained discipline begin to serve the nation. Averaging only five feet three in height and 117 pounds in weight, the Japanese soldier is expected to compensate for his small size by his fanaticism in battle. Under the eyes of an elite corps of officers, 
The new soldier spends nearly two years learning how to take care of himself. And it is a matter of pride with each Japanese soldier that he conform to the accepted pattern. He is taught that the greater the odds are against him, the more glorious will be his death. Building on this foundation of the will to conquer, the Japanese have made good use of the offensive spirit which inspires their people. Today, they believe themselves well on the way to realizing their imperial dream. The dream of uniting all mankind into one worldwide household with Japan at its head. This, then, is the enemy. Primitive, murderous, and fanatical. This people, this war machine, this empire can be beaten. But let us make no mistake, for total victory, we must make total sacrifice. Against the madness of Japan, nothing less than all our efforts will suffice to bring peace and security in our time.